back to the Heart of the Matter podcast. It is our first podcast for 2023. Um, I'm very excited to be back here. My name's Claire Hansen. I have with me Dr. Breed Phillips from University of Western Australia and Dr. Michael Stevens from the University of New South Wales. And today we are here to talk about kind of a random film, not a recent film, but there is a heart connection. It's called Warm Bodies and it was released in 2013. So sort of a random choice for today, but we think it will be fun regardless. <laughs> I think um, the reason why that we hit on this movie in particular is um, I am coming from Western Australia and it is the height of summer here. If you're listening to this podcast later in the year and we have very warm bodies indeed um, <laughs> in the temperatures we have over here in the West. So um, going on with the warm body um, theme of summer, we uh, got together uh, with our thinking and thought, how can we relate summer to heart related issues? And um, so we've come up with warm bodies. You will watch us unfold and make this link more clearly to you as we discuss the movie. So just a little bit of background, it's Jonathan Marini's 2013 adaptation of Isaac Marion's zombie movie, zombie novel, which again is uh, taking you further away from hearts, you're thinking, because it was inspired by Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Claire and Michael, any thoughts about how we're going to bring this round to hearts? I should say we actually recently screened Warm Bodies um, as part of a partnership between the ANU and the National Film and Sound Archive, uh, thanks to the work of some fabulous colleagues there, including Dr. Anna-Sophie Jurgens and Dr. Katerina Bonzel. Um, so a little shout out to both of them. Thank you very much. And it was a really interesting film screening, actually, where we talked all things heart. Uh, we had Nicole from University of Canberra, a cardiac rehab specialist, join us as well. Um, so it was a really interesting, interesting event um, and a way to think about pop culture and, and heart health. So mm. part of the reason that we're talking about this today. I think, I think maybe we should start with a bit of a premise, perhaps a, a summary of the movie for people who may not have seen it, people listening at home who may not have seen the movie. That sounds um, wise. Yeah, I think that that's probably a good place to start with. Um, Bree, do you want to give us a quick sort of summary maybe a couple of sentence summary of, of the general plot of the movie sure so the movie opens with um zombies uh, which is uh, why we described it as a zombie movie um <laughs> and there is a lot of sort of uh, expectations around a zombie movie and um, the zombies don't have any personality uh, and so on so what we find in the opening of this movie is it, we have your typical zombie who doesn't speak much, but we can hear his internal monologue. So already we're getting a little bit of personality. So this is a post-apocalyptic world. And, and here we have the zombies who are on the outside. The wall surrounds an enclave of humans and the humans have to venture out to get supplies. And at this point, we find a group of humans meet a group of zombies and um, things happen. And instead of the expected uh, bloodshed, there is bloodshed if that's your thing in a zombie movie. But instead yeah, quite... of the full onslaught of, slaughter of bloodshed, we do find a little bit of a romantic relationship developing. 
Um, I almost say that the kind of wandering zombies and the wandering humans are a little bit like the Montagues and the Capulets. Really, Claire? Yeah, just kind of a random, <laughs> random link there. Random link. I see where you're going with this. Because <laughs> that might explain the character names as well. Help, helps to explain some of the plot premise that this is a zombie film, which is adapting Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Ah, oh, so so what are the names that you're hinting at there, Michael? We've got the zombie. Uh, I can't actually remember his name, but he knows it starts with the letter R, so he goes by R. And the lead female human character is Julie, mm -hmm. as in Juliet. Mm -hmm. And it's in that scene that you describe, Reed, when you know, in the midst of the firefight, there's a beautiful slowdown moment where R sees Julie firing a gun at a zombie, and you can just see his eyes light up in not in not in hunger but in something else a different kind of hunger a different kind of hunger oh we're still on hunger i think yes <laughs> and you know continuing the the sort of shakespeare uh, trope um or's best friend is called m mm. so tantalizing there tantalizing mm. and we also have julie's best friend who wants to be a nurse mm. um, and is also involved in the remade balcony scene um so yeah some some interesting parallels to the play and more specifically to, to film adaptations of, of the play as well which is kind of a potentially a whole separate discussion but given we've got two shakespeareans on the podcast i think we're going to do a little bit of hearts and a little bit of shakespeare today mm. yes i think that would be wise i think so <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, another reason for thinking about this um, movie today is even though it was made in 2013, um, perhaps our audiences might relate more to it in a post-pandemic world. Mm -hmm. um, we are um, sort of more aware of the reality of um, pandemic infections and how that might affect us as a, a global entity. And in this one, there is that need to forage for medicines in particular. That, that's what they're going out to forage for, it's medicine, rather than um, we don't see them out foraging for food so much or, or any other um, needs. Yeah, yeah. And that the kind of opening scene where the zombies are included, live at the airport, and you get that sort of flashback to the before time. There was something kind of a bit COVID-esque about there that, that sense of yeah. when the deserted airport. Yes, mm. yeah. Um, I have a question. So obviously this is the heart of the matter, but we're talking about a zombie adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. So I'm wondering if both of you can sort of Give us some examples of why and how hearts are so important to this film. And I, and I should pre preface that by saying spoilers may follow. So if you've not seen it, pause and watch and come back to the podcast. Exactly. Probably makes more sense if you listen to it before. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think, I mean, the main, one of the main visual, main kind of themes of, of this movie is, is these zombies are coming back to life through love basically and there's there's that would vignettes. be the spoiler that's right the spoiler. there yeah. yeah there's little there's little vignettes and scenes where the moments where the zombies feel love you see are when he starts to fall in love with julie there's a scene where it seems in his heart and his heart starts to beat again right through his chest and there's other scenes where it happens to other zombies too it's not overdone but this idea that it's actually only once isn't once it you get one zombie. visual of the heart yeah and yep. at the end actually when the nurse yeah is got the stethoscope on yes. the zombie who's getting checked up like she, she's you smart she can hear his heartbeat right yeah. so there's this whole yeah. there's this whole thing where 
the beating heart is a symbol of life. Yes, and and humanity. And humanity, that's true. Yeah, it makes and someone acceptable into society. Mm. And and that is the sort of central um, use of the heart in this movie. But you'll find if you're watching it carefully, and I know you all are going to watch it really carefully after listening to us, there are more muted references throughout as well. So um, the zombie or lives in a, a banded air aircraft. This is where he's made his home. And when he brings the lovely Julia there, um, he plays a, a vinyl record and it's John Waits missing you. And the line, there's a storm that's raging through my frozen heart tonight is really resonating with that cold heart that the zombie has. And um, we, there's actually three groups of um, entities in this movie. So we have the humans, we have the zombies, but we also have a group called the bones, which are we'll probably discuss uh, in a bit of detail later. But um, they are described as something that would eat anything with a heartbeat. Hmm. So they will um, reduce anything um, to dust in their their wake that has a heartbeat. So there's quite a few references ongoing uh, to to hearts as well. And of course, um, further through the movie, we have that um, song from Bruce Springsteen, "Hungry Heart." Yes, everybody has a hungry heart. <laughs> and at that point, we're including the zombies as well. You know, I think. <laughs> yeah, and there's some sort of some smaller sort of touches that that reinforce the. Um, centrality of the heart and, and particularly I think the heartbeat um, to to this film sort of messaging around what it is to be human and how we identify someone as belonging to us or, or not um, so Julie's stabs are in the heart mm. initially uh, obviously it's not not too much of a problem for him given he's already dead um, and later there's this quite this sort of nice moment where they're, they're sort of bonding and he reaches out and touches her her heart. I don't know if you remember that one there. I think mm. they're still on the airplane um, at that point. Um, so so you get these sort of little yeah little moments that that reinforce the importance of the heart, both I guess as a physiological um, tangible organ, right? That they that they need that to to be human, but also um, the film's very much interested in, in that kind of symbolic side of the heart as the, the centre of emotion. And I think you're a spot on there where the heart is the centre of emotion in, in the film for, for the zombies, and that is their gateway back into the land of the living. But um, I do also like that tension that they set up between the brain and the heart. Yes. So, you know, when they are about, when the human group is under attack from the zombies, there's a yell, you know, shoot them uh, through the head, not the heart. So you need to uh, shatter their brain uh, to kill them because, um, you know, what, what I'm taking from that is you can't kill their emotion. You know, their, their heart yeah. is the seat of their emotion and you can't kill that, but you can kill that objective, you know, thinking clinical side to them yeah. and that's why you have to shoot them in the head and I think that tension comes out in uh later on um it, it, we're going to get a little bit agricultural here so the the zombies will assert that eating the brain is the most important important part of eating a human because it's the tastiest 
and the thing that eating the brain brings to the um, zombie is the fact that they can uh, relive emotions by eating someone's brain but that connection between the brain and the heart is there because that's what triggers the warming of the heart and the warming of their emotional side yeah it's interesting i found that really interesting particularly his narration at the point when he's when you first see him eating a brain he, he says I don't want to hurt you. I just want to feel what you felt to feel a little better, to feel a little less dead. Mm. And I thought that was really kind of poignant. Like it was like, it was more than just this primal thing that we associate zombies with, which is just eating flesh for survival. It was more about, it's not about survival. I just want to feel again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually an attempt to get back to that kind of sense of humanity. And uh, to give give you a bit of context, um, R at the beginning of the film, uh, eats Julie's boyfriend's brain um, and Julie's boyfriend being of course Perry who's our Paris mm. if you're if you're trying to connect the dots with Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet and yeah it's, it's, it's actually quite it's probably weird to say but it's actually quite a touching moment as well he's sort of shoveling these brains into his mouth you get these these quite beautiful images um, flashbacks of um, this dead guy's memories of you know um, riding a bike and um, fireworks and, um, and and I think what Breathe you were saying is really important this tension between where our emotions sit that's a very kind of old question I suppose um, but it seems to me that our accesses these memories and feelings from the brain and that kind of then like is sort of the, the gateway to then him I guess his his heart sort of regenerating mm. or rehabilitating I suppose you could. I was actually thinking about the opposite way. This idea that they're eating brains to—I can't believe I'm saying this in a very serious way—they're <laughs> eating brains, the rationale to get feelings to feel up, to try and feel again. But yeah. it still—they're still zombies. It's not until they actually start to fix, feel love from someone else that mm. they get that humanity back. So this idea that we're chasing emotions through the brain, through logic, mm. what we perceive as logic, may not always may not may be an endless kind of yeah cycle well it certainly doesn't work for the bonies right they're eating brains all over the place and it's not not reactivating their heart so yeah there's another you're saying there's kind of another step yeah 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 it's it's quite interesting because the the loss of humanity itself seems to be final with the bonies um you know they can eat as you say claire they can eat the brains and nothing happens but the inhumanity of being a zombie seems to be marked by their inability to express themselves and to communicate and to enjoy each other's company Mm. but from the very start that idea is subverted because they're traveling in packs and they're not antagonistic packs so they as you see them shuffling around they seem to be in some sort of harmony and then there is that moment at the bar with uh, early on in the movie where or and his friend M. I mean, they can't communicate verbally, um, but they are grunting at each other in a seemingly um, very pleasant, empathetic sort of way, almost. So even though we're being told that zombies are disconnected and losing their humanity, that is subverted immediately I, for me, I think, in the film. Yes, yes, agree. And I think the film is really interested in communication. This is something when I was re-watching it this week that I really notice and it's um it's and it starts early early on when i was talking before about that that flashback to 
kind of the before times when the airport is full of people and you can hear the Christmas carols it's full of people traveling at Christmas um, and he's and, and R is sort of imagining this thing I just wish you know I wish I could connect I want to connect like people used to connect but the irony is everyone's on their phones in that flashback and no one's connecting mm. um, and that's just the start of this sort of series of um, examples of the film interrogating a, a breakdown in communication as being a problem with humans and not only zombies so we see you know Julie's father they have a very dysfunctional relationship he's communicating with her via video link to start with which again it is kind of um, preempting COVID days a little bit um, and then later she's trying to hold Perry's hand and he refuses and um, there's also that moment where that flashback when he's eating the brains where you see her telling Perry that she thinks she loves him and then there's that awkward pause and she's like well you have to say something so it's just communication isn't coming easily in that in that world um, and so it really does make me think about how the film's talking about communication as a as a way of um, I guess moderating healthy emotions and of course this again brings me back to Shakespeare and some work that Breed and I have been doing on on hearts in, in Shakespearean drama so Shakespeare of course um, in the early modern period understood very much the dangers of bottling up emotions of not communicating properly that you need to express and release or vent your emotions or your heart is at risk um, so you know in Macbeth you get um, uh, when Macduff in Macbeth loses his family um, he's told he's advised to give sorrow words the grief that does not speak whispers the overfraught heart and bids it break and I think we see a version of that in warm bodies um, the dangers of not being able to express yourself obviously taken to an extreme of course mm. yeah i agree i i think that is a, a big issue and, and very much highlighted in the movie and i think this is also um exemplified again going back to the general who's julia's dad he his methods of communication are nearly one way you know he gives orders he tells people what they're going to do and he doesn't seem to have a very um he has a very limited capacity to uh, listen to other people and describe the court the corpses as uncaring unfeeling and incapable of remorse and all of those things are refuted in the first few minutes of the um movie itself so this this man becomes an island stuck um, by himself because he cannot communicate. And I know the film shows some redemption for him at the end, but this is actually um, a, a departure from the book on which the film is based, because in the book on which the film is based, he doesn't get that re redemption and he is killed when he's fighting a bony, which sort of suggests that his lack of communication and his lack of um, emotional um, connection is a, a huge issue for him. Mm. Claire, you mentioned at the start that there's some resonances between uh, the Warm Bodies movie and previous iterations in um, Romeo and Juliet, Juliet on film. So, so what were the ones that struck you most? And there's quite a few. So obviously, the at the end, there's the uh, R and Julie in the water in the in the pool, and so that really obviously reminded me of of Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Um, 
You also get this kind of, I think, a really interesting contrast between so the very iconic scene where Juliet and Romeo meet in Lumen's film. You've got Desiree, it's Desiree, right? Miss, uh, kissing you? Yeah? Yes. That's the song. Oh, yep. yeah, 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 playing. And they've got the fish tank, that, that moment, super iconic. Um, here, obviously, they've taken a very different route where, you know, Julie's got the gun. and um, But when he sees her... Um, a song called Missing You starts. And it just seems to me like a little bit of a deliberate sort of point at, at the, um, the predecessor, the, the, earlier, the earlier film. Um, of course, and this isn't specific to Lumen, but the balcony scene. Um, yes. yes, yeah. And, and of course, this idea of the wall. So, you, you know, I was thinking, you know, the, the what is the line from Romeo and Juliet? The um, orchard wall is high and hard to climb and um, the place death considering who thou art. Like it, it's, um, it's very similar lines that Julie says to argue and he's gotten through the wall. So her father's built this very impressive, gigantic wall to keep the zombies and the bonies out and the humans in. Um, so this sense of a wall and um, yeah, and, and who belongs on either side is something that, yeah, it's, it's very much lifted from, from Romeo and Juliet less so a specific film and more more the um the play more broadly but yeah a few little kind of touches um i think the music is the way music is used as well is kind of a separate point but also really really key mm. uh, for this film yeah i think the um not just the choice of songs but also well the choice of the songs lyrically but also i think musically there's there's a there's a very if you're listening for it you can't not hear it but there's a pulse to every song like it's coming through particularly the last song by the national um can't remember what it's called but um just listening through as everything's all happy ending and whatnot just feeling that pulse starting up again sort of correlated with all the zombies hearts starting up again it was just this beautiful little touch i found that's um, right I, I think and that speaks to one of the main sort of tropes in the movie the fact that feeling is associated with bodily warmth and we get bodily warmth because that beating heart is circulating our warm blood around our bodies so mm. yeah that 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 music a musical beat really ties in with that main heartbeat warmth and feeling so yeah i think it's you know there's uh, the, the more often you watch this movie the more connections you can see and it's so important to um as character as well his interest in collecting vinyl um it, it sort of helps to sort of reassert his um humanity in a way um his deliberate use of um yeah i, I agree so yeah so the film's doing both it's using very cleverly both you know diegetic and non-diegetic sound so sound that that's you know in the in the world of the film and sound that's you know, overlaid for the audience. It, it does both of those things. And, you know, the, um, the makeover scene where they're, where they're making over R, one of my <laughs> favorite moments, but they're so, they're very self-conscious about the way sound is used mm. in, uh, in there as well. Absolutely. So I, I just want to pick up on one of the points you said there. Um, when R listens to vinyl, he says that it has a better sound and is more alive. So he yes. actually says that. Yes. Uh, but Julie, uh, Julia, she replies that it's a lot more trouble. And I, I like that because, yes, vinyl is a lot more trouble. One good sneeze and you've scratched the record forever. <laughs> but also, is being alive a lot more trouble? Is that what she's talking about? Um, you know, th that, that sense of, you know, negotiating emotions, negotiating, trying to stay alive for a start if you're in a post-apocalyptic world. Um, but 
is it worth the trouble? And I think that's one of the questions that, you know, resonates through the movie. Is it worth the trouble to be alive? And um, it's answered at the end with the end can be slightly cheesy if you are feeling in that mood. Yes. But again, um, I think there's enough humour and there's enough um, insight within the, the movie that, that sort of negates some of that cheesiness at the end. Mm, yeah. And when we ran the film screening of this, of Warm Bodies, um, one of the audience questions was about was about the bonies at, at the end and how they are not redeemable and what makes someone too far gone um and i think that's a really interesting question because the film does construct this it adds that that layer of complexity that's not just humans and zombies it's humans and zombies and this kind of like uber zombie um in in the bonies and you and so it, it really does complicate how we understand humanity and where where that cutoff point is for what makes someone human and and the role of the the heart and emotion in this film is such a defining point for for our sense of selves and our sense of ourselves as humans, mm. um, which I think is quite profound. Absolutely. I think it's that loss of identity that happens with the bonies, because if you look at them, they're indistinguishable from each other. Mm. Whereas yes, each point. of the zombies has their own identity, has their own appearance, and you can pick different zombies as they appear uh, throughout the movie, not just R and M, but there's other ones that recur as well. And You're they're right. very yeah. individual. Which Such is, a good point. Which is really interesting because you think about the zombie trope, right? I would not have considered them all to be individuals. They come mm. as hordes, right? Yes, coming, yeah. never, One zombie is never the issue. It's when you're overwhelmed by an indistinguishable mass of, of yeah. zombies. So I kind of like how they've subverted that. Yeah, such a good point. And to be honest, does... that, that sounded like the lived experience there. Last time I had a zombie. That's how I got here. One is not a problem, but honestly, if you see more than one on a dark night, you're in for trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spoken but... by one who's lived through it. Oh, Stevens. Stevens. It reminds me when our, at the start of the film, when he's imagining these other zombies in the airport, what they what they used to be, what their jobs were, who they were. So there is this deliberate attempt to individualize, um, which I think ties in exactly with what you're what you're both saying. Mm, absolutely. Um, one thing that I really found interesting was, um, you know, we talk about heart as love, and love is a big theme of this movie. But I don't think it was just the, necessarily the romantic love between R and, and Julie. Yeah. It was. They looked at friendship love, both from Julie's side and from from R's side as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So, you know, we talked about R and his friend M. At one point, R is heartbroken walking back to his zombie home <laughs> and his friend M meets him there and shakes his hand and says, and grunts, but actually says, are you okay? Yeah. Like, and to see that kind of humanity uh, expressing coming through it's not just necessarily about the romantic love it's about the other types of love that you might feel amongst friends and, and whatnot as as a symbol of humanity as a symbol of sort of moving away from that bony direction into back to the humanity direction i thought that yeah. was really well done as well completely agree i i, I agree that's a fantastic point and i think alongside that sort of um identity and self-identity and being an individual we're also being told that feeling um, feeling, and all your emotions makes you vulnerable because mm -hmm. once the zombies start to feel, they themselves become vulnerable to the bonies, which has never happened before. Yes. So 
I think that's a really important point because, uh, you know, as humans, uh, as, you know, living our lives, we know that um, emotions make us vulnerable in, in many, many diverse ways as we go through life. And that's another point that's made quite nicely in the the movie. And it's not a negative point. They, they make it quite positively because being vulnerable to your emotions uh, brings uh, immeasurable riches into your life. And I think that's a, a great message that the, the movie has if you get past the zombies coming back to life because nobody wants that really in the real world. <laughs> I should say, um, uh, Dr. Nicole Freen, who spoke it at the Warm Bodies screening, she's a um, she's on the um, ACT Heart Foundation local advisory board. So the Heart Foundation um, came in and, and supported us for this for this screening and helped us to to think through um, this this concept of heart health. But uh, Nicole, she's her specialty is um, she's associate professor of physiotherapy. Um, but she's particularly an expert in cardiac rehabilitation, um, not for zombies, for humans. Uh, but one of the things that she noticed about the film was firstly, uh, how much the zombies would have needed cardiac rehab. But secondly, and this kind of ties into your point, um, breathe uh, that, um, uh, social isolation um, and kind of negative emotions are so damaging for the heart, for one's heart, uh, not, not in a metaphorical way, in, in quite a literal way, that, that being isolated, that not having social connections, um, it will actually uh, cause you to have more negative um, outcomes for your own, your own health, particularly your, your heart health. So in quite, if you read it in quite a literal way, um, you, you do actually, as a living human, need social connection, mm. like like the connection that, that R craves um, to ensure that you have um, a long life, uh, well, to get, give you the best chance at it, uh, and to protect the health of your heart. So that's what we kind of see in warm bodies, um, really in a, in a really odd way, that they're actually aligning with best practice in something like cardiac health and cardiac rehabilitation, which is just a little bit mind-blowing, really, given mm. the film <laughs> I know, and and when we come to the closing scenes of, of the movie, we're we're drawn to that heart health image again because Nora obviously has fulfilled her ambition to become a nurse, so she's pictured with the stethoscope, the the instrument that's going to allow her to hear all of those heartbeats around her neck, uh, and again. Uh, in heart health, you know, the stethoscope can be a very important tool for a, a practitioner in the field. So, yes, there's a lot to be gleaned uh, around heart health here in this movie. Well, I think we've done a very good job making this connection between warm bodies, zombies, Romeo and Juliet and, and cardiac health today. <laughs> I think so. I think we pulled it together. Some said it was too long a bow to draw, but I disagree. No, no such thing as too long a bow for this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely not. We can make it work um, uh, with uh, heartfelt enthusiasm at all times. Oh, oh, nice. Yes. I, I, and I think, you know, if anyone has ideas for a heart related film that should be discussed on the podcast, I would love to know about them. You can, you can reach out to us through our website and through, um, there's an email address on the website as well. I think it's yeah. heartofthemattergroup at gmail.com. Or you can just Google any of our names. Or find us on find Twitter us. as well. Find us on so... Twitter. We're all on Twitter. Yeah, because as we know, channeling Bruce Springsteen, everybody's got a hungry heart. We do. <laughs> hungry for more heart films. That's... <laughs> I think I think we might have I think we might have stumbled across our our theme for this year potentially heart, heart films. related films heart related TV shows. films 
Yeah. Although, uh, upcoming podcasts will not just be us talking about films that we have seen. We will be the next... <laughs> Turning into next a movie few... review podcast. <laughs> no, although that is kind of fun. Um, the next few podcasts will be welcoming some very special guests. Um, and we're very, very excited to, to introduce you to them. So please do come back and listen to um, the rest of the podcast that we have lined up for 2023. Mm. Uh, if you would like to hear not just our voices, <laughs> but other experts in hearts and health. Mm. But for now, uh, thank you for listening to another podcast from Heart of the Matter. And it's goodbye from me, Breed Phillips. And I'll go next. Uh, uh, it's a goodbye from me, Claire Hanson. And, and goodbye from me, Michael Stevens. Just See you so all next time. You didn't forget our names. <laughs> See you next time. Done. <laughs> we did it. <laughs>